0: Welcome to Chamber Breakers, presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. I'm Leanna Brinded, head of Yahoo Finance UK.
1: And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. During this series, Leanna and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chambers surrounding key societal issues.
0: This season, we're focused on corporate social responsibility, education and the workforce at a time of global crisis.
1: We're delighted to welcome David Benatar, who is Chief Sustainability Officer
0: for The Warehouse Group. David, who was originally from France, spent 20 years in New York before moving four years ago to take an integral role at The Warehouse Group, who are New Zealand's largest retail group. So, David, take it away. Hi, Yana.
2: Hi, Xavier. Great to be here. Listen, it's a topic that uh, is very important to us, the topic of how we support young people to get into employment, how we as a large organization with more than 12,000 employees and uh, more than 200 stores, how can we get them uh, hands up to get into the workforce? And so obviously reflecting with what's happening in the job market today, with reflecting on the economic impact of COVID on employment, even if in New Zealand, Uh, we've been weathering the crisis uh, quite better than many countries, we ask ourselves the question, what does the world need most that we are best qualified to deliver? There is a fundamental concept emerging in CSR, which is the concept of extended responsibility. And That concept of extended responsibility says that as a business, our responsibility doesn't stop at the time when we sell a product, at the time when we hire or part ways with an employee it is the before and after of this relationship so when we speak about youth employment today we also think about the future of work right because we're preparing young people for the new reality of what work is today and so we think about the future of work about ai automation but we also think about self-learning about continuous education. We, we think about work flexibility. And all these concepts are associated with the future of work. And we think about them as a disruptive force ahead of business and society. So obviously with COVID-19, the job loss and the government investments are requiring a greater focus. It's putting more, more pressure on us. We know in New Zealand, like in many countries around the world, that the number of young people on the unemployment benefit has risen by about 50%. So um, again, how do we as a large business in New Zealand make a difference within a new context? So how do we grow the mindset of these young people? How do we prepare them so they can operate in the new reality and the new landscape of the business world? Um, We've been driving two key programs. One of these programs is a legacy program. We've been driving for a few years now, and this is called the Red Shirt in the Community Program, and the Red sh- called the Red Shirt because our uniform. If you go to the uh, to the retail floor in our stores, you'll see that our employees wear a red shirt, and it has already helped a few thousand young people, who are not in employment, education, or training. They are called NEET in New Zealand, not in education, employment, or training, helping them gain um retail skills and experience in the workforce so who are we talking about again we're talking about young people who tend to come from unprivileged backgrounds they tend to come from minority background indigenous backgrounds so here in new zealand they are maori pacifica backgrounds uh, they suffer disproportionately from unemployment or lack of access to employment so this is where we focus some of our efforts and we don't do that alone, because like many of the topics associated with CSR, you can't do it alone. This requires collaboration with government and industry. So in the case of the Red Shop in the Community Program, we operate it in conjunction with the Ministry for Social Development. And the Ministry of Social Development, MSD, recommends and provide the participants to the program. So we know we have a funnel of people in needs that we immediately help with these programs. And guess what? Out of the three months program that we deliver, up to 70% of the young people who go through the program find some form of paid employment within three months of completing the program. There is another program I want to talk to you about because we just launched it last year with IBM and it's about STEM education. And that program is already proving that we can also innovate in the territory of digital education and STEM educations, which we know is in high demand, right? These are the segments of sectors where employment is starting to take over. So uh, the Warehouse Group is now the founding industry partner with IBM, and the Manukau Institute of Technology to launch p-tech education and workforce preparedness model to work in New Zealand what it does it prepares young New Zealanders for technology related careers so in that model um, schools and um, sort of tertiary education organizations and companies partner together and we enable young students to earn relevant tertiary qualifications so they earn qualification credits with these programs and it connect them with entry-level careers and they develop academic technical and professional skills i love these examples i think these examples are a testimony of what business can create around the world and i think it's a testimony of the appetites of young people to participate in new education formats. You know, we talk about innovating all the time in business, right? And CSR talks about managing risk and opportunities. CSR talks about responsibilities on the environment, on the communities, on society. And here you have very technical, practical solutions to issues that we are experiencing today because of the climate that business is going through. And here are practical solutions that are delivering tangible outcome. I love that. I think it's critical for business to engage in this sort of platform to dedicate resources and team members to participate in what the future can create. Because at the end of the day, the benefit is not only for these young people. It's not. It's for us as an organization. It's our team members directly benefiting from the learnings and the conversations. You could think about business generosity, but you could also think about business thinking strategically about how we develop this type of initiatives. So my message to the business community around the world is need really to double down on these investments.
0: Thanks, David. There's so much to unpack there. Um, but some really, really great talking points. And I know that we're going to go through a few of them, but what I'd love to, um, pick up on, which was very interesting and especially where the warehouse grief sits. And of course, the wider environment of COVID is talking about, um, needs. Um, as you identified, um, that's, um, particularly an area where, um, when it comes to education and when it comes to job workforce and those who are disproportionately affected, they're usually those from marginalized communities. And obviously, um, as the programs and initiatives that Warehouse Group has launched, including the Red Shirts, for example, how have you seen some of those programs adapt and change in the world of COVID right now? So before I
2: answer about the specific of that program, adaptation to COVID, I want to talk about our business adaptation to COVID uh, because that's how they work together. I think business actually has demonstrated its ability to react extremely efficiently in a time of crisis. So I think a business that has a strong culture is a business who is able to react uh, coherently to a crisis. And COVID just proved that. So we had to shift, the majority of our operations to digital, obviously, digital to service our customers, to transform some of our stores into black stores, to turn into fulfillment centers, to move a disproportionate share of our business from offline to online. And the way we did that is exactly the same way we did it for the management of these youth employment and youth development programs. So the ability to connect together, our commercial activities with our community and youth development activities was one way to resolve what the pressure that crisis created on on our business. So what are we doing now? Well, obviously, as you can imagine, we ask ourselves the question, how do we prepare for the next chapters? How do we become COVID-19 proof? And this is part of the redesign we're doing with MSD as we talk today some of our team members from the CSR and sustainability team, and some of our partners coming from the Ministry for Social Development, all of us thinking together, how do we expand, redesign, redevelop these programs to adjust to the new reality that we live in? So I would say it's all about the opportunity. So that's how we look at it.
1: Great. It's really interesting things you're talking about. And I, I love everything you've said the way that you're approaching you or tying it into business to innovation. You've, you've basically justified my job as a CSR and innovation marketing manager right there. So thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, in, in Verizon, we're a global company and we think about these things from a global scale. And when we approach the same problems and we're actually interestingly trying to solve very, very similar problems as companies, we think about them through a global lens. And it seems that you've hit on something that really, really works. A lot of our listeners will be global. Do you have any advice on perhaps companies trying to roll out that model to a global audience or anything that you think would work for other regions from your learnings?
2: So it's always interesting to go back and forth from global to regional and global national and global and local. And I think that's part of the strategic business exercise that leadership needs to enable i think i see that as a responsibility of the leadership to enable that conversation between what is global and what is national and what is hyper local right i think we have that maturity today to have this conversation in the term of global behaviors there is statements today made by the business roundtable saying business has a responsibility to deliver values to its larger stakeholders so that is From a global perspective then the way we deliver it has to be specific to the market we operate in so here in the local markets we've seen an increase in consumer expectations of csr behaviors but locally these behaviors mean different things so here in new zealand we see more and more requests for sustainability so caring for the environment caring for your employees and displaying these behaviors as a way to shape society around us. The specifics about New Zealand is that our government has published a living standard framework and our government has designed a well-being budget. Yeah, I know it sounds awkward. We talk not about an economic budget, but a well-being budget. And maybe by doing that, we put people at the center of economic activity again. It's probably a healthier way to engage with our communities. So I would engage people or organizations around the world to again, think about the local particularities and the local needs of the community
0: so that's a really great point there. And um especially when it, it's bringing in more indigenous communities into the workforce and finding ways. I thought one of the things that's fascinating about one of the programs that you're talking about, especially in STEM, is about not just training on the job, but also enabling lots of people to gain those qualifications as they go. So in this current environment, do you see some of those um either programs being accelerated because they can be digital or in fact actually widen the number of people being able to take part in these programs and therefore uh, set you guys up for um, even more uh, wider and successful pipeline in the following years to come. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning
2: high-end goods for 50 to 80% less and similar brands. Yeah, so again, I think being strategic in our planning, we're looking at what the market needs. Uh, In New Zealand, like many other countries, we're experiencing a shortage of um, ICT and STEM skills as a result of industries just being reshaped by technology, data science, cloud computing, everything in between. So we know there is a growing digital skills shortage um, due to the increasing speed and scale and demand for technology-related skills. So, how do we go into the education market and say, "Guys, this is what's happening." You know, there is. I think we are struggling with that tension and that dynamic between government reshaping education sector and industry addressing immediate needs, and then young people who are caught in between and finding their own way because they're faster, they're smarter, they are more informed, they are more connected than we are. That's a reality so i think we play in between these forces and all working together to create change what i am excited about is that when you are participating in this conversation when you decide to invest there you start to create velocity of change that benefits your business that benefits your community so again that virtuous cycle of csr in action is where business needs to pay attention
1: I was so wondering if we could just touch on your, your sort of international experience of having worked in so many different countries. And it sounds like what's happening in New Zealand is, is what's working for New Zealand. Having worked in Europe, USA and the Asia Pacific region, have you seen differences in the way that CSR is approached?
2: Yes, of course, because there are cultural differences that are massive between uh, the US, for example, and New Zealand so the intention may be similar but the manifestation of the intentions are very particular to the culture there is no secret that uh, in america we like to uh, shout loud and clear from the top of the building preferably on Fifth avenue or in las vegas there is that culture of bigger and better right it's a different culture in new zealand um, where maybe there is a more modest approach to um, designing solutions and claiming victory. So I think these trends are very global. And this is part of the question we asked ourselves earlier, global versus local. There is global context and there is local adaptation. Again, I think as business leaders, we have to be able to have this dialogue and this tension in between both, and we have to monitor global markets to understand how that will impact our local region. So uh, although we recognize the difference, We also monitor what's happening in Europe and what's happening in the US. Uh, So I've seen cycle in business appetite to engage in CSR solutions, Uh, but the cycles always come back to the same conclusion, is that there is an enormous opportunity for business to use CSR strategically to address some of its critical needs around us. This is also the role of the CSR professionals. It's us, all of us working together to educate organizations to build collaborations, to identify solutions, to keep on showing the way how we're we going to get the incremental value, the incremental performance that CSR can deliver for organizations. That's our role. That's what we paid for.
0: Absolutely. And when, when it comes to CSR, as, as you pointed out, it touches upon every facet of the business, every point in leadership and every role. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to the hiring part and getting more people in the workforce, that can be seen as a very HR or talent acquisition, but actually CSR plays a huge point in that. And as you pointed out, it's not just about the government shaping stuff or business, um, just in programs. There's this big holistic look and how we look at society. So one of the things that businesses can ca- take control of, and you know, I'd love to hear from you about this, is that when it comes to then how business can really be the, suppose catalysts for change and how we approach education for example how we look at qualifications and how we bring people into workforce how does warehouse group and um, yourself look at potential candidates because as we know um, education is you know very much devolve over the last few decades it's no longer about just you know doing a few qualifications, getting your degree, going on a career path, the end. There's so many different ways and so many fantastic training programs out there that um, pave the way for people without a traditional education into the workforce. So how does um, Warehouse Group and yourself approach that part of it?
2: So that's it's you're asking me a very strategic question and a very timely question, because as I said, um, as our organization is flipping to the agile way of working, we are redefining also the way we engage with our team members and the type of qualifications and skills we ask of our team members. And what we observe is that the ability to engage, to communicate, to, um, collaborate with within the structure of the agile way of working is becoming an enabler for performance. So, again, mindset ahead of technical competencies. I think it's a very challenging concept to think that your technical qualifications don't really define who you are in the workforce, but it's more your mindset, your ability to learn, your ability to grow, your ability to communicate, your self-confidence, your resilience. This type of qualities are becoming more essential than your technical skills that are, of course, necessary, but are becoming refreshed or actualized, depending on the need of the business. So you're becoming more a mobile, um, agile individuals, part of a team, more than a technical foundation. The technical foundation evolves your ability to communicate and change is what is essential. This is shaping a very different profile with the type of, pe- the type of people who want to work and engage in the new type of organization I'm describing. That paradigm shift is happening in business as we speak today. So I'm personally very hopeful that the new generation is very much prepared for the new requirements of the business world. I think they are more prepared than we are. I think they are ahead of the game. And that's why I think it's so good for business to engage with it.
0: Great, I know that Xavier's got one last question before we unfortunately have to wrap up really soon, but I have one follow up really quickly. With all the things that you've talked about, how do you measure success? Everyone loves metrics, everyone has like obviously a five point plan or something, but how for you do you measure success when it comes to CSR?
2: So the concept of measurements, um is one that CSR and sustainability is struggling with and really wants to crack. So we as a business at the Warehouse Group we are engaged with a number of partners right now as we speak to develop performance dashboards that measure the outcome of our sustainability investments. And it's a it's a conceptual conversation. How much do you want to create and measure the value? that you create in society? How much can you measure and where can you measure? So there are economic indicators, obviously. There are aspects like ENPS, employee satisfaction, which we measure. One of the simple outcomes I just mentioned before is the number of young people who find some form of paid employment within three months of completing the program. Okay, that's a pretty white and black,
1: black and white type of measure. Great, thank you. And I, I wanted to notice before we, we wrap up, we have a lot of business listeners, we're a business podcast. What is your one bit of advice to business listeners if they're inspired by what you've said? Um, you know, they could be at any level listening. What do you think they could be doing to try and help? The one thing I would say
2: is their sole intent should be to move sustainability and CSR from a corner of the organisation to the strategic decision-making at the board table. And the way to do it is ongoing communications. It's lobbying. It's being almost being seductive about it. You got to turn sustainability and CSR in one of the strongest assets of an organization. It's all about the people. It's all about the communities. It's all about how we engage one-to-one with the people around us. So I would really invite every CSR professional to consider the size of the opportunity they have in their hands. They hold gold. So they need to recognize that and act with that dimension in mind.
0: Okay, so thank you very much, David. That was a really inspiring way to end it. And of course, actually inspiring everyone to join their CSR team in their company and support it if you are listening and you're not in CSR already. But before we go, David, um If people do want to get in touch, they do want to get in touch with you offline, where can they follow you? Where can they contact you?
2: Yeah, so they can definitely find me on LinkedIn at uh, David Benatar for the warehouse group. Um, And they can find my contact information there. And uh, please be in touch and uh, any questions, I'd be happy to answer and engage and uh, address any of the questions we've been uh, discussing today. Thank you so
1: much. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you, Iliana.
0: Thank you so much. And then for everyone who's watching or listening to this fantastic chat, you can find videos and articles about this entire series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do rate, review, and subscribe to hear more.
2: Planning for your next trip?